Okay, welcome back to a very special edition of the Stab Cusp. This is Michael Saramella, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stace Galbraith. Um, Stace, long time no talk. It's been, what, 36 hours? Uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. We didn't chat for ages, and then we bang out a, a couple in a week. So I'm excited. I love talking shit. So this is, this is great for my, my life. Um, what have we been up to? Um, oh, well, I, I, I've got to give a special mention to, um, we had a bit of a, a tragic event happening on the Goldie, um, in the last week. And I just want to give a shout out to, um, Alex Chumpy Pullen family and friends, um, thinking of you guys and, um, had a paddle out for him, um, just recently. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. So unfortunate circumstances to see everyone together like that, but paddle outs are certainly, uh, an awesome, pretty unique energy, and yeah, yeah. This morning was no different. It was, uh, it was really cool. So, yeah, just wanted to say thinking of everyone, and hope everyone's doing all right. Yeah, uh, we obviously heard about that over here. Um, to be honest, I wasn't really aware of who Alex was prior to this whole thing, but um, he was like a world champion snowboarder and obviously a multi Olympian. Um, what sort of, like, is he from the Gold Coast? Did he just live there? And, you know, it seems like all the surfers from there know him. Yeah, just tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, sure. Um, I believe originally from Victoria and then um, his partner's from the Northern Beaches of Sydney and they just recently moved um, to the Gold Coast and just sort of, you know, settling into life up here and um, sort of just sort of getting into like our friendship circles, I guess. And then he's quite good friends with uh, Paul Fisher and Mick Fanning and that kind of crew. And um, yeah, it's just, just a, uh, I'd only met him a couple of times just recently. Like I said, he'd only just moved up here, but um, certainly a, a really lovely character and all the, all the praise that he's getting online. I can definitely vouch for that. Like he just seems like such a genuine bloke and really happy to go and get after it. And um, one of those blokes who look like he was pretty good at everything. So it's, it's such a tragic thing for him to happen. And, you know, um yeah it's uh a little too too soon i think to really think too deep about it it's just yeah it's just tragic yeah definitely a tough thing to deal with um in any circumstance but um i have a little something for you that snuck into my inbox today a day early and it is the wsl's plan um it was leaked to us and yeah, I wanted to basically be the one to tell you about it and get your reaction as a CT coach. So are you ready? Are you sitting down? I'm sitting down. I'm, I'm nervous and very excited. Let's, let's roll. All right, man. Here it comes. Now, I will remind you that the last time we talked, you were not so sure that um, they were going to be able to run a tour. Um, you know, you, what did you say? You talked to some friends in the airline industry and they were saying that there might be a shutdown till like 2022 or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really expecting to go back to work until then. Um, I think Etihad, which is, you know, massive carrier out of, you know, United Arab Emirates, they just laid off 800 pilots. So even if there are flights, they're not going to be cheap. All right. So that being said, here is the WSL's plan. It's laid out in kind of bullet form. So I'll just read kind of one at a time and we'll take it from there. I might get a pen. Um, this, is, this is scary. <laughs> oh, and it obviously should be noted that any of these are subject to change. 
um, you know, regarding COVID. So nothing is set in stone, but this is their tentative plan. So, it's also a subject to your mall being legit. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very true. <laughs> but uh, we'll I, see, I, we'll I, see. Okay, good. Yeah. In, in them, him or her, who knows? Uh, okay. The 2020 CT is canceled. It will be the CT that never runs. Um, that, I guess, is not a very big surprise to you. It is not, although, you know, hope's a powerful thing and there was still some hope in me, but I was definitely uh, realistic about the situation. So, yep, that's a bummer. Yep. Okay. Now, 2020 QS events are canceled until the Triple Crown, meaning that if I am understanding this correctly, we are going to get to see Haleiwa and Sunset. And if they're going to call it the Triple Crown, that ultimately means that Pipe is going to be involved also. Um, so yeah, Hawaii in November. What do you think about that? So you're telling me my boy Mike Dunny's still a chance? <laughs> well, that brings us to the sub point of that point, which is that 2020 QS events pre-pandemic will combine with all events post-pandemic 2020 and 2021 for combined qualifying rankings for the 2022 season. So if that wasn't confusing, basically all the events from the QS. That's the fairest way possible. That's, that's the only way they could have done it. That made logical sense. Everything. So just to be really, it's a two year QS season. Exactly. So anything surfed between January and March, all those events, which had, you know, Matt Banting in first place, Dunny in what, ninth or 10th, those will count toward the 2022 qualification, sorry, towards the 2022 CT season. So you can't qualify for the 2021 season because they're obviously taking everybody that qualified for 2020, Um, but they're going to be, those events will be added with the upcoming Triple Crown, the Holly Even Sunset events, plus all of the 2021 events on the QS. Um, So yeah, you think that's fair? It's the fairest way to do it if what they do want to do, which you're probably going to drop another bomb on me here, but I'm just going to try and put the pieces of the puzzle together before you tell me. That's the fairest way they can do it if they're hoping to run a full season of World Tour competitive surfing in the back half of 2021 because they couldn't Uh, run it in the front half. Well, that is where you are wrong again. Wow. So the 2021 CT season is scheduled to start with 2020 Hawaii CT events. So that's Maui for women in November and Pipeline for the men in December. Again, those will be the first two CT events of what we can call the 2020 slash 2021 CT season. So looks like you are heading to Maui, my friend, in November. That will be insane. For event number one, not the uh, Crazy. Not, not the ender. Ah, that's good to know. So that brings us to the rest of the 2021 CT, which we'd previously assumed would take place on the back half of the year. However, it's not. It's going to take place in the front half of the year. So here is what the 2021 CT season looks like. Obviously, starts in Hawaii. Um, with the men's event at Pipe, women's at Maui. Then it goes into Portugal in February. 
Then we move into the Australian leg, which I presume would be like March, April, kind of as it always has. And that's Gold Coast, Bells, and Margaret River. Then we go to Rio, Surf, Surf Ranch, G-Land, J-Bay, Tahiti, and then the WSL Finals, um, which will be a single day event in September. OMG. Is J-Bay the last event of the regular season? Uh, Tahiti is the last event of the regular oh, okay. season. My bad. Okay, so it goes J-Bay, Tahiti. Wow. Then what was that fancy word you used at the end there? uh what was it i'm not sure WSL finals series or something uh it, I, it's the single day world title event yeah, yeah and that's in september and they have uh not revealed at least to my mole where that will be held where's good in september well snake well sam mcintosh believes yeah snake snake and sam mcintosh both said lowers which uh oh. if that was the case how do you feel about that Oh yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty good actually. I, I shouldn't be too hard on it. It's pretty fair. It's a left and a right. It's it's the most high performance wave in the world. I just get I've unless I've unless you John John Florence. I've seen a lot of slow crummy days there in that waiting period in September. I think a lot of the locals actually don't believe September's the best. If I'm not mistaken, would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, well, the thing about September is you start to get out of that kind of June gloom. Um, but I actually think that even though it doesn't look good in photos, June gloom might be a good thing for lowers because it kind of keeps the wind down throughout the day. In September, you start to get fall conditions, which are kind of like nice and offshore in the morning, which a lot of people don't even like offshore at lowers. And then it can actually get, I think, a bit more windy. Um, and then as far as swells go, September is also not really the strongest point of our summer because um, we're getting all those long period South Pack swells and they tend to rear up most in like June. So yeah, September, I wouldn't call it like prime, prime time for lowers, but you're also not, not likely to get a swell. Um, oh, yeah. But I think to your, to your original reaction, even if you did get the you know, a, a great day at lowers. It's still just a great day at lowers, like compared to other waves around the world. It's like a five out of five or six out of 10. Um, so if that was the wave that they chose, I would be a little, I think, underwhelmed personally. Um, but I also understand Sam McIntosh's point in just the sheer commerciality of that wave in terms of, you know, it's it's in a good time zone for, America, for, which for is America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck. It can be yeah, okay for Australia if you nah. run it in the afternoon. No, yeah, yeah, afternoons okay, but yeah, it's gonna be they a finals need day. A... It's gonna be a finals day, so the first heat's gonna be action packed. So up at midnight we get. Yeah, true. Um, and so here's the way that that finals day will work. It's basically what we talked about before. Just um, have it at diva. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> it's a uh, top five men and top five women. And then it's number five goes against number four. The winner goes against number three. Winner goes against number two. Winner goes against number one. And then that's a best of three. Right. So, you know, you're incentivized to not just make the top five, but, you know, be the top in that. So you have to surf the least amount of times. Um, and ultimately, if you are the number five seed and you want to win, you have to surf a minimum of one, two, three, 
four or five heats basically in a row. So, um, you know, not only is there the fact that you, you're more likely to lose surfing that many times just out of sheer statistics, but you're also just expending so much energy. So well, I don't know. A lot of people have talked about like too, if you've got a big ego and you don't think you're going to lose. Yeah. But the surfing five times is fine because most of the CTs and definitely the QSs, uh, not that those top five guys are surfing too many QSs, but you generally surf the round of 16 quarters semi-final on the last day anyway. So having one extra heat, I don't think it's really going to make a difference to like, you yeah. know, their stamina and performance is what I mean, particularly at lowers. You're not really breaking your back out there. Yeah. Fair enough. I just think that the wave should be a little bit more high impact. Like even calling lowers like a high performance wave. I mean, I'm going to take the note out of Albie Layer's book. It's really like a mid performance wave, right? Cause when's the last time somebody did something at lowers that you were like, Holy shit. Like that was fucking the craziest thing I've ever seen. Hey, Brett Simpson did a carve out there the other day. I'm not joking. It was pure. It was so <laughs> good. Go on his Instagram and watch it. It was sick. But I yeah, totally compare agree. that to something John John does in his backyard. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, I think that like lowers was the most high performance wave of like, you know, the orties. But now guys are doing airs off sections that it, most normal men just pull off. So it doesn't really have that same kind of effect. You know, the sections that like Italo and that hit are just, you know, they're mind blowing. So uh, they don't, lowers unfortunately doesn't offer that. It's entertaining though. Like you've got to have, a, you've got to, your surfing's got to be very well-rounded. You, you got exposed there if you don't, um, you know, have good flow within your surfing and, and, you know, I know style's not the criteria anymore, but geez, it stands out if you don't have a good style there. Yeah. But then you, and you know, I hate it because we always end up picking on the same person, but if you're someone like Felipe, right, all you got to do is get into the top five and then you got what, like a 75% chance of winning the world title. And then lose which to is Jordy, before it was the and opposite. Lose to Jordy in the final. <laughs> yeah. When it's one foot, that was, that was impressive. When Jordy that was that. impressive. Yeah. His one foot floater in that final was also very impressive. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just want to go back to something that snake and I spoke about, which I'm starting to form a bit more of an opinion on all this stuff because it's getting a bit more obviously set in stone now. Uh, I'll go to the women because it's easy. The fourth and fifth ranked women have never been in the title race that I can remember. So why give them a chance now? I find that absolutely ridiculous. I just, I cannot, I cannot understand that. Um, I don't think that's fair at all. Um, and then contrary to that to the men, if the sixth ranked surfer was a chance of catching the first going into that last event of the year, he should be there in my opinion. Okay. So, I mean, and when you guys talked, you, yeah, you basically referenced that, you know, five surfers or six surfers or whatever it is, it's five, but you guys referenced six is ultimately like an arbitrary distinction because of that point. You know, you could have seven people that should, that would otherwise be in the title race, or it might be two or three people. So that's, that, that cutoff is arbitrary in that sense. But then we've talked before about, you know, other sports and, you know, the NFL, it takes the top, uh, you know, like, well, actually, I don't know how many the, w, the NFL takes, but the NHL takes like the best eight from each conference. And if you're not within that top eight, then you don't make the cut. And that's just the way it is. Do you not think that it's fair for the WSL to just make that arbitrary line? Does that, do they not have that power? They have all the power. They can do whatever they want. I'm just giving my two bobs worth. Um, I think us as a sport, we have to be careful to not try to copy anyone. I think we can take inspiration from other sports, but 
we are the most unique sport in the world, I think. Like we're dealing with the ocean. What about that one where they like go skiing and then they have to shoot stuff? I knew you were going to say that. That sport is tapped. And those, those, that, that, those crew are the, like the fittest people in the world. And I don't, yeah, that, that one might be gnarly actually credit to them. They're, they're psycho. They're like wrestling off like bears and shit and all kinds of stuff. But you know what I mean? The variables that surfing op offers are not, they're not white line sports. So I just don't even, it just pisses me off every time. It's like, yeah, well the NBA does this. It's like, yeah, sick. There's about a billion dollars in the NBA and 50 teams and who cares? <laughs> it's, it's not, you, there's no comparisons at all. Um, so I think we've just got to be careful there. And I don't think that, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just don't think it's necessarily that fair. Well, you know, if you want to use that comparison, first would then surf against fifth because that's how every other major sport does it. First doesn't surf off against second in the first round. Oh, if they do, but if they do that do the that, WSL they get, they get listening to the people and saying like, okay, we hear you that it's not the same. Like if somebody goes out and has an amazing season and they win three events or four events or whatever, and they're that far ahead of everyone, like, yeah, then it wouldn't be fair to make them surf directly against the fifth seeded surfer to work their way up. They're already seeded into the final. All they have to do is win two of three heats. Like that. Okay, can, can, like, we, can we make an assumption that the first, the first or second place surfer is going to be Gabby or John? Can you agree with me on that? Yes. I would think that both of those surfers would say it's a disadvantage to surf once. To surf once. What do you mean by that? As oh, in the, oh, the, the, the loser, the yeah, yeah. You know, not the loser, but the, you know, the first winner out of five, four, three, two work their way into that. And then they surf against, you know, number one, I think both of those surfers. And even if you threw Felipe in there too, that guy warms up, he warms up something yeah. chronic. Actually, he, he needs a few heats under his belt. That's, so yeah, that's, that's a good point that's where I just think surfing's different. And I think that's fine. I've got no problem with surfing being different. We're a bunch of weirdos and that's cool. They don't need to go and copy some sport that is just not even in the same breath as what we do. So yeah, I think we need to, but they're, I don't know what to me, they're not because the, I've never seen this system anywhere else. The, the last day system, at least where it's, you know, it's working their way up to somebody who's seated already in the final and you have to like surf your way through the whole entire thing. I have never seen that in another sport. I think it's pretty cool. And at the very least, at the absolute very least, it will be entertaining as fuck for that one day. Like mm. everyone will be watching and hopefully the waves will be good. And I'm sure the surfing will be good. And um, you know, yeah. unless the waves somehow aren't good, but uh, I, 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 that's my I, two cents. Wave quality to me is actually not, not too big of a deal. I would way rather the waves be pumping than not, but the competition is still going to be the greatest if it's one foot and shit, you'll, you, you might even see better competition because that, you know, there might be less waves on offer or whatever. If the waves are shit, you're going to see like Gabby and John finally punching each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what I, mean? I think like, that the one, yeah, the one thing though is like pipeline really was the perfect finishing event. Maybe not in December, but that venue, as far as it being a right and a left, it being a treacherous wave, it being right there in the sand, like just really the most exciting wave to watch. Like we are losing a major, major part of pro surfing by losing pipeline as the final event, I think. I, I, I agree. And I think the champions that have won there have had to do like so well to dodge the, 
craziest bullets, whether it be wild cards or even someone like, you know, even a Miguel Pupo, he can swing and go and get a 10 with pretty much just making the drop. You know, it, it, you know, it's a lot of luck involved, nothing taken away from your skill, but do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, they've got to, there's just so much going on. So those champions have definitely, definitely earned their crust and, you know, I mean, there's um, moments like even like, you know, Snake, uh, the story he told in your podcast the other day, like that last wave. And granted, he wasn't in the world title race, but and then you look back at that wave that Mick got, you know, that crazy roll in that didn't even look like it was going to barrel. And then it got him the cr- fucking eight that he needed against Yaden to win his world title. And like, just you're, you're what somebody's going to do fucking four Rios to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Mick, Mick did it twice in one day. First against CJ yeah, that's and right. next against Yaden, and it was just like, yeah. But um, I know, yeah. Oh, it's cool. I mean, like I, I, I think I've said it before. Like I'm definitely up for change, but I just think that some, you know, let's some common sense needs to be applied as well. And I definitely don't think, yeah, I just don't think copying any of those other sports is. And like you say, we're not copying with the actual how they're going to do it, but it, they definitely drop it in the press releases and all that stuff all the time. Oh, well, this team does this, and this this sport does that. It's like. Yeah, next. Yeah. All right. Well, that is apparently what's happening. So cool. we're going to have to find a way to live with it. Um, yeah. I can definitely so, live with it. I just don't think that like who got fifth last year, like Courtney Connell or something in the women's, she, she wasn't in the, she wasn't there. She didn't have, she didn't have the good enough year, particularly five in the women. That's, that's, that's if they're going to drop the numbers to 12, which I think they are. Ooh, you're getting ahead of me, but they are. And, and that means that half of the, the remaining tour at least will be there, but hold on. Let's yeah. let me get to that. Yeah. Um, so of course this means that the challenger series will be in the back half of the year. So it'll be um, August to December, which sounds like the CT guys would have to miss some of it. But in reality, they don't because actually, okay, let me rephrase that. Starting in 2022, they don't have to miss it because starting in 2022, there will be a mid-season cut implemented. And that will take the men's tour from 36 to 24 and the women's tour from 18 to 12. So Mm -hmm. to be clear, 2021, there will be no mid-tour cutoff, all 30 four and 16 women that are full-time tour adherents will be there from pipeline to the potentially the end event, or I guess the yep. Tahiti will be most surfers last event. Yeah. Starting in 2022, mid-year cutoff, men go from 36 to 24, women from 18 to 12. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's cool. I particularly think it's pretty cool with the, with the women. Um, that's, that's really awesome. Um, and with the men. And to be clear, the WSL is, it's not like they're making this one time cut and that's how big the tour is for the remainder of the WSL's existence. It's every single year they start with 36 men again and 18 women again and cut it down to 24 and 12. So they're not going to essentially be able to do the strike mission that I wanted, which is very disappointing to me. Off the cards. Maybe they would make that cut and just end it, but no, they're not going to do that. And how does that make you feel? Do you feel personally attacked? Cause you're like, you're what they're asking for. They're asking for, you know, public feedback, you know, and you're, you, you know, you're one of the 
top fans, as you say, super fan, a little star <laughs> next to your name on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, two stars. Um, I mean, you know, they're making decisions that I can't possibly know all of the reasons behind. Um, I'm sure that they would have 10 good reasons for why my idea doesn't make sense. I think first and foremost, just the idea of doing the strike missions is pretty much logistically impossible from getting permits for whatever, three months at a time and dealing with locals that, you know, they saw a great swell coming and they were all excited. And then you say, oh, no, sorry, we're dropping in for this one. And uh, then just, you know, infrastructure and getting everyone there. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's just a pipe dream, but I'm going to hold on to it and uh, hope that that happens sometime in the future. But yeah, for now, we're not going to get that. Um, I do like the fact that they are going to slim down the tour. So we're more likely to get good waves in the back half of the season, just in the sense of there will be less heats to run. So they won't have to do that really, you know, shitty round three or basically make the finals day shitty because they had a really good run of waves for round three and they kind of wasted it on that. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, putting the pressure cooker on from event one is cool. You know, you don't just like, Oh, you know, kind of warm my way into things. You need to, you need to really show up from the get go. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. And then 24 men, is it's a pretty tight number i think the quality on the tour of the men is is really strong so um it's it's really awesome um i think for the for the women i think some of those girls who hover from 18 to you know 16 that kind of range and there's a few few events of the year where they kind of get exposed so they're not inside that top 12 going into the rest of the year then that's probably a fair fair game oh that sorry that just reminded me uh all of the events following hawaii are male and female, which means that the women's tour also ends at Tahiti. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel good for Carissa Moore and I feel good for Caroline Marks and I feel good for Vahine, who will probably get the wild card. Yeah, I feel good for those girls and I'm proud of them. <laughs> I really am. Like They're spending their money and they're putting in the time. Arguably, they make more money than most of the other women on tour. So they've got, they've got that opportunity to do it and I'm glad they're taking it. Um, I'd say a few of the Hawaiian girls probably aren't too stressed either, but there would be a lot of girls that are not really hyped. Bronte McCauley would probably be frothing. Uh, I'd urge anyone to go and check out her Instagram as of late. She has been charging in Western Australia, but there's a, a serious safety issue there in my eyes. So, your uh, your major CT server at the moment is Malia Manuel. Um, what do you tell Malia? Do you try to get her over there before that? Like, what becomes your game plan there? Um, yeah, we'd already had that in the works, so it's not like that won't be a new conversation. Um, her coach doesn't really look left, though, so that's going to be a problem. Um, so, yeah, we're, instead of going over there, going right, which is a stupid idea to do in Tahiti anyway, um, We'll be over there going left. Um, she's got waves on Kauai that, um, you know, they get okay. So she can practice there, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. Um, you sound a little nervous. Uh, I just got nervous about saying that there's waves that break on Kauai, that's all. 
they're not they're not that good <laughs> uh but uh yeah no i think that like i said i think uh if you're around reef passages and you understand the you know the mechanics of reefs and stuff like that it's not going to be too much of a shock but um even a three-foot day at chokes will fuck you up if you're not prepared so there's a lot of girls out there that will be, need to be a lot more prepared than what they currently are yeah well i guess um it was you know it's part of a bigger conversation that we've been having for years um is it the obligation of the wsl to put an event like this on tour and therefore kind of force the girls to learn how to surf it or is the onus on the girls to go out and get good at it enough that the wsl recognizes that and puts an event on tour and it's kind of like chicken and the egg as far as i can see it but I don't mind the WSL taking that step and saying, you know, it's been a long time since the, the girls have, you know, had an event at Chopu and they've gotten what five times better since then. Like they, they're good enough surfers by a mile to surf waves like this. It's just a matter of experience. Am I wrong? I agree. They're competitive enough to want to get good there. Um, and it, it just, but I mean, they, how many like guys that can barely surf do you see just fucking grab the rail and pull into stupid tubes and they survive? Like, it's just a mindset thing and experience, like I said. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a performance thing too, though. Um, I, I, I would definitely want to see the performance level, like I said, of a few of those girls lift. But they won't be there because it's the top 12 only that are going there. So, um, but like... It's just a huge, huge gap between the best girls on tour and the rest when it comes to barreling waves and in particular barreling left. I can't really say I mean, that. I've said I it enough. Wanna, like, you know, I don't want to be rude, but it's the truth. And I don't want to be blasphemous, but you know, I think of someone like Steph Gilmore as someone who's not particularly strong in backhand tubes. Like She's incredible in forehand tubes, one of the best tube riders in the world, but I've seen maybe one barrel of her backside in her entire life. Yeah. And, and she, to me, is a surfer that um, she'll be fine because she's got the skill set and she's got the competitive drive to want to get better. Um, there'll be days at, uh, of waves here um, where I see her just go left all day. It might only happen once a year, but that's without chokes on the, that, That's without chokes even on the calendar. She's still got that desire to want to improve. And that's all you, that's all you really need, I think. Yep. Uh, and with chokes on the calendar, I think you would see people like that step up um but um yeah it's uh i just think that um i would love to see <laughs> the girls really try to showcase their talent uh on their own volition before that event and uh there's a couple that are doing it and there's there's a lot that aren't so i think um yeah, there there might be some girls going into jbay next year that throw their heats so they finish outside the top 12 or whatever. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's too late in the year to be doing that. But you know what I mean? There's, there's just a huge gap there. So I'd, I'd want to see the, the, the performance level it, it really, really lift. And I think that because they're seeing this on the schedule now that they would be much more inclined to. But the problem is, like, you know, with how the whole COVID situation is, you're already traveling a lot. Like, are you really going to try to squeeze in another trip to somewhere and the front half of the year where the tour is already condensed like it seems unlikely that someone's going to get the practice in between now and that event that they would need unless they like pull some fucking rabbit out of the hat well there's a lot to learn between backside barrel riding and then backside barrel riding at a 
a left like Chopu. So you can definitely practice in your front yard. You get the key off your local school teacher and you go down to Blacks and you you just pull into the left closeouts. It's, it's somewhere you can start. And I think oh, the, the I have a buddy Irwin that did <laughs> just that. Like, you know, he's he's a decent surfer, but mm-hmm. you know, didn't start surfing till a little later in life. Mm-hmm. Has always been really like uh, skill oriented. Like he he decides he wants to learn how to do a proper roundhouse, and he'll just do it on every single wave. And in yeah. the past couple of years, he did that very thing with backside tube riding at Blacks, just pulling into wave after wave after wave. And I think like what a few months ago, he told me that he like made his first really proper one and was like mm. so over the moon. Yeah. So I think you're so right, man. Agree. Anyone can fucking do it. Yeah. You just got to put your head down and rip in and, and, and there's waves all around the world that offer that. So you've just got to like, Oh, am I going to go to Lowers today or am I going to go there? And I think yeah. that people like in that part of the world, that, that's the decision you've got to make and you've got to look at it as if you are at Chobes and yeah, it's, um, it's a special place so that the girls are going to enjoy it. But I just, I'm just a bit of a safety, Sam. I just want to make sure everyone's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the CT. Um, and cool. the champion or sorry, the, uh, I always forget what it's called the challenger series. Mm. It's going to happen between August and December. So um, yeah, you can imagine that there'll be probably like, you know, seven or eight events between then so are you telling are you telling me oh yeah there'll be qs events but they won't be worth doing (laughs) points wise yeah so i think that's i think there will be regional events throughout the first half of the year as well Mm. i think there will probably be regional events all year yep uh but and that will be presumably how lower rated surfers get into the challenger series yeah and then yes challenger series is just the back half of the year and have you got a have you got a number on how many surfers might come through the regional ranks that has not been decided according to my mole so um you know 2020 or sorry 2021 is its own thing because there's Mm. no mid-year cutoff so Mm. they can choose to i guess bring up the same as usual which is 10 or they can do something different. And then from the 2022 on, they're going to have only 24 surfers in the back half of the CT season. And they'll probably even eliminate some of those after that. So yeah, they're going to have to figure out where they're bringing the surfers from. Maybe like half from the reality TV show, half from the QS. (laughs) That might be the only comp that runs this year. If it runs. It's all in America with American citizens, right? Yeah, I guess that's right. Get him up but, there. Yeah. I mean, fuck, we tried with Stab High. It's not uh, easy. True. Yeah. I would say that uh, Stab are a little more rogue than the WSL. So if Stab can't pull it off, then uh, yeah, the WSL ain't doing it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then again, they, they, they think they're going to Hawaii in November. So maybe they've got uh, something up their sleeve that we do not know about. Crazy. Yeah. Can you, that? Can, you see, can you see that happening? Oh, that's what it is. The fucking billionaire buddies, Bill Gates and Ziff are probably buddies and Bill Gates just slip him a few of the vials. <laughs> well, that opens up a very interesting topic of conversation. Um, I, I'll just go out and say it. I don't see any surfer taking the vaccine. Really? I just don't are, see it. Are surfers, are surfers anti-vaxxers? From my experience with surfers, Yes. What is your experience? Last year, going between 
Brazil and J-Bay, if you didn't have your yellow fever slip, you were not allowed on the plane in Brazil. They wouldn't let you go to South Africa. So to avoid this and avoid getting the shot, a lot of surfers, I'm not going to divulge personal information, flew to London Heathrow, spent a night or whatever there, half a day, got the stamp, and then went Heathrow, Joburg. And, you know, according to the customs officers, they were never in Brazil. So if they're taking those kind of steps to avoid vaccinations, something is what would seem pretty mellow, yellow fever. Uh, I think a lot more <laughs> tested than say whatever vaccine these guys are going to come up with. I don't see any surfer taking it. I, I don't. Holy shit. Wow. Could you imagine if, uh, yeah, that was like the breaking point of the tour. Like, okay. So who do you think is not going to take it? Um, I mean, we'll use the King as an example. Kelly's a pretty clean living dude. He barely touches a beer. He is not taking he, Uncle Uncle Bill Gates's jab. No <laughs> chance. No chance. Kelly does uh, love to dabble in the um, conspiratorial world, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. So I mean, um, gets does, pretty interesting sometimes. Yeah. Does that surprise? Holy shit! Yeah, I hadn't even considered that. So the WSL could literally have everything in place, and the surfers could just be like, "No, nah, we're not sticking that fucking thing in our arm." I'm stoked to see this schedule, but like we mentioned earlier, like I, I just, I'm not, not seeing it. <laughs> I mean, God, we're not, I don't know. Like John, John and Gabe might be the only one that can afford tickets. Coaching will be dead in the water. Damn it. And it'll just be the surfers going to events with no filmers or support network. They're, you know, the heyday's over. Cause I just don't see commercial airlines operating in the way they have done in the past. Yeah, I know that we're just going to have to get a fucking PJ. Oh, I think so. Yeah, pretty much. Like I know that everyone says that the airlines will come back and they'll be looking to fight for business, but I don't, I don't see the fight affecting the prices so much that surfers are going to be getting cheap flights. Wow. Not in the short term anyway, not in November, wow. not by November going to Hawaii. Australia's only yeah, letting yeah. 4,000 people a week or something at the moment. What? Yeah. Oh my God. If you don't leave, you'll never come back. So is this, I mean, we've talked before about how the WSL didn't want to like outright cancel events for a long time. And we speculated that it might've been because they'd been prepaid for those events and they didn't want to give that money back. You know, mm. do you think this is like a continuation of that? Like, is it, is it just that they're holding on to hope and maybe even they don't even have hope, but they're just saying they're just going to do these things to keep the business flowing. I think you have to put a plan in place. And if that plan changes and it changes, I, I don't think you could do nothing. So I think this yeah. is their version of, of that. Yeah. Granted. I mean, we tried twice with stab high, so um, I'm sure that they have the same level of initiative considering this truly is their business model, you know, is mm. making these events go around the world. I really want to know how the WSL is going to tap into the domestic market. Cause the way that I see it, the domestic market doesn't need the WSL. The domestic market being, sorry, you mean like the regional tour? Well, not their regional tour, just a regional tour. Uh, oh, okay. So how are they going to get a regional tour off the ground? Like how are they going to, like we asked Proden when he came on, like, you know, your licensing fees and entry fees and that are so expensive. 
and prize money's so low. I don't, I don't see how they, I don't see how they can really uh, slide in between, say, a local board riders. Like Chipper Wilson used to run a comp in Cabarita with a five thousand dollar first prize. Hmm. That, that's a lot of money. A QS one thousand does not have that much money for first prize. Wow. And I see a lot of those style of events popping up around the country, in Australia, in the in the so, next sort of six to twelve months. Yeah, you seem to be, you know. You seem to have a good understanding of how all of this works and you seem to be taking a realistic, which could be perceived as pessimistic point of view on the whole pro surfing thing. Um, so with that in mind, like, what are you thinking in terms of your job? Are you trying to just basically do this domestic coaching thing? I know you've been working with a lot of kids or are you looking at kind of like snake, like a different sort of career path altogether, at least for the next two years or whatever it might be affected? Um, no, I'm, I'm, my, my main goal is to keep, to keep out what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just setting different expectations. Um, I really enjoy what I do, whether it's at a CT or at d or down the coast. I, I enjoy that excitement of check just everything about it. Like checking the waves, where's there going to be swell? Okay. Oh, we've got a good clip or, Oh fuck. Sorry. I missed your clip. Like just everything about it. I, I just love it. <laughs> Um, and particularly the, the younger crew that I work with, um, at the moment they're really engaged and it's a healthy outlet, whether they're competing or not, it's good to seeing them still trying to master their craft. And if I can help them do that or give them some pointers or bring Cruzy down for a heat or Jack might be in town or whatever, like share that, like we got given to us, that, that gives me a great thrill. And if I can make a living out of that, which at the moment I can, I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, but um, I, with, the, with the kids that I'm coaching, if they're older than 18, I've been pretty well telling them to enroll in university or get a job and not a job at a surf shop, which a lot of them have that. And it kind of pisses me off. Um, I'd, lo- I'd love them. <laughs> why, to, why is that? <laughs> I just love them to try and diversify a little bit, you know, learn how to work in a kitchen mm. or learn how to work in an office or just, just to give yourself a bit of variety. You know, um, you're already a salesman. If you've got stickers on your board and you ride for Billabong, you're already a salesman. You don't need to go and sell their shit in the shop. Go and sell it off your Instagram, you little beep, you know, and then maybe learn some other skills somewhere else, try and diversify a little bit. But if you're younger than that, say 14 to 16, um, I'm still selling the pro surfer dream for sure. I think the world will come back by then. Um, if you're older than that, I don't know. It's an interesting place to be, you know, like if you're cruisy or Mike Dunny right now, it's a, it's a tough one to be, at. um, you know, both surfing really good, um, maybe some of the best they've ever surfed um, at, at any point in their careers. Um, you know, Mitch finished 30th on the QS last year. I know he's been on tour before, but, you know, for him in recent years, that was really good. Uh, Dunny's 10th in the world right now, but they're both 30. Like, I, you know, I'm not worried about them, but I do worry about what their next step's going to be. Yeah. Um, all right, so we going back to the the mid-year cutoff that they're going to be doing in 2022 does that uh bother you at all like just because i know that the mid-year cut in whenever they did it you know back in the tanner godowskis days that really left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths does this bother you at all or do you think it's like fair game and also like take into consideration that some of our favorite surfers like guys like jack freestone are kind of infamous for uh, not doing so hot in the first half of the season and then saving themselves come like Europe or whatever, where he wouldn't have that chance now. Well, fucking John John might even fall off tour. 
Lord <laughs> Gabby. Yeah, one year coming out of Bali, he was like 28 or something. <laughs> <laughs> he was, right? My tripping. The year like, that you got hurt? Yeah, the first time he got yeah. hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, no, like I said earlier, I think it's just going to make people, not that they don't try hard at the start of the year, I think it's just going to have an elevated level of pressure. Like, it's, it's on from the get-go. There is no finding your feet in Europe. It's yeah. finding your feet straight out of the gates. Or maybe, actually, it is finding your feet in Europe because Europe's going to be the second event of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, like, I mean... So that's what I do like, because if they were to just start the tour again with the three Aussie events, I really feel like that is a great disadvantage to a large number of surfers, because it's just three waves that are like very particular, but kind of like uh, regular foot focused for sure. And, you know, they're just for a specific type of surfer versus you bring Pipe and Portugal the first two events of the year at least you're giving people a chance at some of the more like interesting venues. Well, yeah, there are a lot more, uh, I mean, not Hawaii, but Portugal, you can, you can roll the dice on a few waves and get through your heat. Whereas you can't really do that at like bells or snapper. You, you, you need to know the wave. It, it, well, it definitely helps a lot, a lot. So yeah, that's going to be interesting for sure. Wow, starting with Hawaii, that's kind of sick. It sucks that you're losing, losing out on it at the end, but to start with, it's pretty wild. That'll be an interesting feeling watching that event. And just doing the math, um, so they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then the final event. So they will theoretically be cutting it off after Margs. So it'll be Pipe, Portugal, and then the Australian leg, Gold Coast, Bells, and Margs um so yeah i mean i guess that's fair you get a little bit of everything i guess you don't get a, a true left which the goofy foots will uh certainly grumble about um nor does the tour have a true oh no yeah that's right we have g land so there is a left on the back side of the tour no, um, but you got the best left on tour in the middle of lamore <laughs> <laughs> yeah the best left uh if you're at gabby at least yeah yeah gabby or likey um, um, yeah, um, that, it seems really aggressive, but yeah, I, yeah, I, it I, is, I, they should, they should have thrown, well, I guess they couldn't really do G land that early in the year. You're, you're risking not getting much swell, but it does seem like they need to have a left earlier in the year. If you're going to do a cutoff after those three events in Australia, hmm. but, uh, fuck, I guess it is what it is, man. We're just, hmm. we're just along for the ride. Yeah. It's not too aggressive, the cut, like 36 to 24, I guess. It's a third of the tour on both the men's and women's. Mm. So, yeah, if you're not in the top 66%, you're getting the boot. And then, like we were stating before, uh, that means that the basically half of the remaining women's tour is in the world title race. So if you make that top 12 cut, then you have pretty much a 50% chance of getting into the final event, you know, also not really taking into account the, the ranking you have up to that point. It's kind of a, whatever, bad math, but 
still no, a pretty I good know, chance I, to be I, in the title race. I know, I know what you mean. It's, it's probably, there's probably two remaining spots. The top three generally break away, yeah. but then, you know, four and five are, are wide open. Four and five, like I was, Malia last year had an amazing start. Uh, you know, she went third, second, um, and, and then had a couple of bad results after that. But every event, it was like, wow, she's one result away from being fourth in the world or whatever, you know, like every, you know, her goal is to be uh, top five and for that year and, you know, one of her goals. And it was like, she was still there all the way up until Honolulu. It was still that close. So you're right. There's a big chance that you're going to make that final event. Yeah. Which is, I mean, in your position, honestly, pretty fucking cool. Like in a lot of ways, it's better to have a female championship tour surfer as a coach than it is to have a male championship tour surfer as a coach like the they have to surf less heats to make the same amount of money and the i mean if we're being real just the the talent pool is less um broad you know it's more concentrated in that top five versus the guys have a bit more breadth to their tour i think yeah, I would I would agree with that for sure. There's definitely a bit more variety across the men's tour, um, and and the the women when they had the, um, their pay increase, hundred percent, it it made financial sense. I I was coaching two of the girls the year before that, um, and then one the year after, and I didn't really need. I wasn't too worried about prospecting for another, you know, another surfer on the women's tour because uh, we kind of made some goals between you know Malia and I, and if she had good results, it didn't. Didn't, I didn't need to coach a whole heap of people. Um, so, yeah. yeah, they're getting paid really well, which is good to see. I think they deserve it. Their, their, their level for, for the better part on, on the, of the season is really good. And, and there's a few, few of the girls on there who are, I I'm not going to say would smash the guys or would, it just doesn't make sense to say that, but they're fucking tearing. Yeah. Speaking of smashing the guys, is there any sort of, fraternizing that happens between the men's and women's tours these days or is that just completely shut down <laughs> yeah definitely for sure yeah really for sure yeah definitely there's like only like i don't know about the women but there's only like three guys on tour that aren't fucking tied down right no yeah for sure no it's not there's not like great numbers but uh yeah young men women traveling the globe has you know, chuck a few margies in there. <laughs> oh. I, I figure you don't want to share any details, but I was uh, just uh, curious. No, I definitely can't go any further than that. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's good to see. Uh, We're all human beings. No, exactly. It's good to see him out there having, <laughs> having a good old red hot crack. <laughs> uh, all right um so let me go through this uh little this little dirt pile that i had and see if i left any worms in there um last event oh so and then the other thing is that between now and hawaii the wsl is planning on hosting a series of regional specialty events called the WSL Countdown. And that's going to happen in the States, Australia, and Europe, featuring some CT surfers and basically to like build hype for the upcoming season opener, which yeah. is Pipeline. Cool. So, I did hear whispers uh, of that, actually. That sounds pretty cool. Any idea where that's going to be in uh, Australia? I would imagine in the States it'll be in beautiful Lemoore, but I don't know about Australia. They going to Yapoon? Oh. <laughs> honestly you're not too far off it i think i heard they were going to do something in queensland 
north of the Gold Coast. Um, but that's I, not built yet, is it? They're cool. Not at Yapoon. I don't know. I could be talking. No, the Slater one. Oh, no, I'm talking about an ocean event, right? They're going to run an ocean event in northern Queensland? No, it's not northern Queensland, but it's north of the Gold Coast, which to me classifies as northern Queensland. Um, no, it's the, right up the top of the Gold Coast. They want to run an event at South Stradbroke Island. Really? That's what I heard. Yep. That would be interesting. It would um, be very interesting. Well, that one's like super tubes. It, it would you guys be every pissed off about that sort of thing? No, nah, that joint's blowing the smithereens anyway. It's fucking South Brisbane. It's the busiest wave on the coast with the worst quality of surfer. Like, it's fucking dangerous. It's crazy. Even on, like, good days. Yeah. Oh, it, any day that the, the wind's good, it's, it's a complete blowout. That, that place is not secret. Um, but um, it's just a fickle wave. It's like the, the days that are good there are really good, but it's, it's, it's like super tubes in, uh, in Portugal. So similar. Mm. So, so similar. Uh, amazing when it's good and shit when it's, you know, any bit of wind that isn't, doesn't favor open beach break and it's, it's not, not a very fun wave. Plus, you got to worry about our buddy uh, Joel Scott just fucking doing oh. rings around him on the jet ski. <laughs> he won't be doing water safety. He'll be coming straight through the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he'll be stupid. Nah, he, he blows up that place harder than anyone. He can't worry about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, no, it's definitely not a secret spot, that's for sure. All right. Um, yeah. Well, so that's it, man. Um, wow, thanks final, for sharing all that thoughts, with me. Final takeaways? Yeah, well, thanks for sharing all that with me. Maybe I can get aggressive now on the emails and start shooting them out. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting um, interesting thing. I love the idea of Portugal at the start of the year because, like, the clips that you see coming out of there, like Nick Von Rapp and Miguel Blanco and all those guys, Tess, yeah, Frederico, like, it looks like an amazing part of the world to be in, in that, that time of the year. Um, and then and that seems like an obvious one where they should not limit it to super tubes. Like, there's so many good waves around there, man. Totally they shouldn't agree. even start at super tubes. Super tubes should be the backup straight up. Yeah. And they should be, yeah. I mean, the points look pretty hard to set up on the easiest point to set up on down there. At, um, I'm probably going to blow the pronunciation here, but Ribeira de Elas is like kind of that bells looking right where the QS is, but there's better rights around there, but they'd be pretty hard to set a structure up at. Um, but Just send um, it to the cave. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. What are you going to judge from on top of the cliff, like looking down on it? Every wave would look two foot. <laughs> uh, uh, crazy left. <laughs> Guys would probably end up surfing their heats at crazy left because they'd be too scared of the cave, which that's <laughs> totally fine. That wave, look, that wave looks really scary. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks sick. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what the wash up is. And um, um, so, Okay, but you're, so what is your, like you're sitting here, I just, told you what the tour will quote unquote look like but you're not convinced that it's really going to happen what would you say is the chance that you know you guys are on tour next year oh, i mean you got to be realistic about the situation i'd say it's pretty low um you know most surfers are losing income rapidly uh if they're keeping their sponsors their money's getting cut in half uh and if they're not getting their money cut in half they're losing it all together um the prize money they make is still going to be really good but i think from from my perspective i think um you know coaching as a whole won't be as prolific moving into 2021 
and I'm um, going to have to make some uh, strategical adjustments to make sure I still have a job. But uh, yeah. At least you're raking in the big fucking podcast dollars with us. <laughs> yeah, these things keep me going during COVID, mate. I'm frothing. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I'll just have to get one of these, a uh, couple of these groms that I'm coaching around home to, to you know, win the Triple Crown uh, coming up. And, uh, you know, who knows? I'll have a couple extra studs on tour for next year. But um, easy. Yeah, no, but like, I mean, I feel like you, you want to get a bit more out of me, but I don't really have anything to say. All the events are really similar, if not exactly the same, actually. They just reshuffled a fraction. And then it's that finals thing that we're talking about, which we already really knew they were trying to do that. And now they've just said that that's what they're going to do. So we've had time to kind of digest that. I don't really, I don't really have anything that, um, that really jumps out the page at me. All right. Okay. Well, um, that is it for our special report. So, um, Stace, thanks so much for your time. And, um, yeah, man, maybe we'll get to actually sit together in Hawaii this season. If all goes to plan. Oh, taking it back to our first one. Yeah. I've, uh... I've still got sweaty palms from that. That was, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, um, talk to you later, man. Have a good one. Awesome. Good night.